You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. What on earth are we here for? We've been talking about that uh, the last four times that we've uh, been together. And we've talked about the fundamental message of the, the church has to be the kingdom of God is coming. Get ready. Amen. We know that. Jesus, uh, his first advent, his first coming, he inaugurated the kingdom, but at his second coming, he will consummate the kingdom. And in the meantime, in between time, there is this period called the church age where those of us that are a part of the kingdom are the called out ones for the church. That's what the church is about. That's what Jesus introduced that concept in Matthew 16 and, and 18 and the church. We are the, the called out ones and there's when we're supposed to bring a manifestation of the kingdom and our message should be a very simple one, uh, which is the kingdom of God is coming. Get ready. Unfortunately, we muddle that message by some other competing priorities uh, that that uh, people can conclude that the church is not about the business of the kingdom. And that is just unacceptable. The Lord wants us to be about the business of the kingdom. We are kingdom people and need to be living for kingdom purposes. And so before I told you how we need to access the power of the kingdom, that the power of God is is not only for us and to us, it's actually in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we need to access the power of the kingdom so that we can live the principles of the kingdom and the principles of the kingdom that we talked about were the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes in, in verses three through six, the attitudes that ought to be. Amen. We talked about uh, being poor in spirit, which was really about dependence, that we do nothing without Christ. Amen. That's how, how should you see yourself? We should see ourselves as, as dependent, not independent. Amen. Every time that we move independently from God in scripture, starting with Adam and Eve, when we go move independent of God, there's disaster. Amen. That self-determination always leads to destruction. Amen. And so when we move independent of what God has revealed, we, we, we mess up. But, but if we're poor in spirit, we realize that we need God. And so there's a dependence that's there. Blessed are they that mourn. Amen. For they will be comforted. That, that's really about how do you, how should you see sin? Amen. And that's about repentance. And so we need to have a spirit that is about repentance. Blessed are they that are Meek, for they will inherit the earth. Earth meekness is how do you see others? And that, that how should you see others? And that really has to deal with forbearance. And then blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. How do you see God? Amen. How do you see yourself? How do you see sin? How do you see others? How do you see God? God is your sustenance, because they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be Field. So directionally, we know where we're supposed to be getting all of our nourishment from. That's why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's why he says, I am the living water. He that cometh to me will never hunger, and he that follows me will never thirst. Amen? So it's about sustenance. And so if we deal with these questions correctly, then we will have the right view on the 
following things. He's following four things. And again, these are the principles of the kingdom. Again, we're accessing the power of the kingdom in order to live the principles of the kingdom. Blessed are they that are merciful. For they will do what? They will be shown mercy. Amen. This is not legalism, but it's merely the working of the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. If we show mercy because Christ has been merciful to us, then mercy will come back to us. You think about the discussion in in Matthew chapter 18 uh, that uh, occurs about that. That uh, that servant, that that unforgiving servant who chokes out his neighbor for pennies, basically, when he has been forgiven millions and and the, the fellow servants told the master, it's like, yeah, he, you just released him from that huge debt. But then he's going out and he's he's choking somebody else for the little bit of money that that, that he owes him. And the master said, you wicked servant, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So again, this is this this beatitude is about sowing assistance. Sowing, sowing. Again, it's about sowing and reaping. You want to receive mercy, then you got to sow mercy. Amen. And we've been forgiven much. And so we need to keep that debt in a debt that we cannot pay, a debt that only Christ paid. And so he's forgiven us much. And so as we look around and we move about in our circles of influence, we need to understand that we need to we need to be giving assistance to people. It's so easy to be moved in judgment. Amen. But so much harder to be moved in mercy and compassion and love and forgiveness. But that's the attitude that ought to be. Amen. It should be about assistance, amen, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what James 2 and 13 says. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So let's not sit back and judge. It's so easy because mercy is keeping somebody from what they do deserve. Grace is giving somebody what they don't deserve. And judgment is giving them exactly what they deserve. But We don't want God to give us exactly what we deserve because Romans six tells us what that the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We don't want to have the judgment of God on our lives. And since he's shown us mercy and kept us from what we do deserve, we need to sow that same attitude as we interact with others. I'm not saying it's easy, beloved. I'm just saying it's right. We don't earn mercy, but we must have hearts prepared to receive it and to sow it. So sow assistance. Bless it. Are the who? Okay. See, when I pause, that means that you fill in. You you know how that works? Like, you see, when I pause, so that would have meant verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, see, see how that goes? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure. In heart. Oh my goodness. Pure meaning that, that we're authentic 
and we're transparent. Not, not, not that, again, not that, uh, that we're, that we're sinless, because we're not, we're not even considering that. We're not saying that we are, because first John 1 and 8 tells us, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But to be, Pure in heart means that that we are seekers of the truth. And in Psalms 51 and 6, David says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So again, we want to get our hearts so that they're they're pure, pure in terms of what we seek, pure in terms of our motives, pure in terms of of, of transparency and authenticity. And so that really has everything to do with reliance. We want to be able to see. Seek reliance and seek reliance on who? Seek reliance on God. Amen. For everything. If we're pure in heart, then that means that we have a heart that seeks after God. In Bible study yesterday, our brother, uh, Tim mentioned something and I smiled when he said it because I knew already that it was a part of what I wanted to talk about. In the experiencing God Bible study, very famous uh, minister from the 18th century, George Mueller, talks about how you get ready to receive a decision or to, to hear from God. And his this principle that he said, he gets his heart to a place that it has no mind of its own. He says, when I approach God... I got to set aside my agenda. I want I want to get to a place that even before I get to him, I want to say, Lord, I don't want to have a stake in this matter because the only stake in the matter is the stake you give it. The only truth is the truth you reveal. The only thing that matters is what you tell me. So I've got to lay aside. That's what it means to be pure in heart. So then when you're before God and you're seeking God and you're and you're praying to God and you're looking for God to move and do things in your life, you've got to set aside your own mind and say, Lord, Lord, I want to do only, only what you want done. And, 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 the, and the scripture says right there that, that they that are impure, pure in heart, why? Because they will see God. And I couldn't help but to think about Psalms chapter 24, verses 3 through 5. That says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands. And a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul under vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who's able to stand in the holy hill? Who's able to see the face of God? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. God already knows that you're jacked up. That's the big reveal. Just in case you didn't know. God already knows when you're asking for something from him that's amiss, as it says in James chapter 4. That you might consume it upon your own lust is what it says. He already knows. He is simply waiting for you to spend enough time with him that you get on his page. That's all he wants. 
keep coming to him, keep talking to him. And, 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 and this, in this relationship where we're seeking him with, out of a pure heart, he will purify what we are looking for. And he'll say, no, that's not really what I want. And then he'll begin to instruct you from his word and he'll be able to instruct you by his Holy Spirit. And then you and, and me, we will begin to seek God for the things that he actually wants for us. Our hearts will be pure. We will be in fellowship with him. We will be on his page. And then when we ask him for what he already has for us, we will get it every single time. That's what it means to ask in his name. Not like I thought when I was little, which is I just asked for everything and I would just put in the name of Jesus on the end. I'm like, this is going, this is going to fly right through. It's not how that works, son. I need you to get on my page. And so again, that has everything about seeking reliance on him. Seek reliance. The thing that comes out of a person's mouth comes from their heart. And these things are defile them. That's what Matthew 18 says. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false testimony and slander. These are what defile a person. And that's what Jesus says. It's what comes out of the heart. And so again, we have to have pure hearts before him. Amen. When we seek him, we have to get to the place where our heart has no mind of its its own single hearted not divided between god and the world blessed are the blessed are the thank you peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this uh, uh, goal in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So again, beloved, we're already the sons of God, but but we need to start acting like the sons of God, and if we want to act like the sons of God, we need need to be about the business of peace. Peace is our business. Amen. Ephesians chapter five talks about Ephesians chapter six talks about the armor of God. And it says that, that our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. James 3 and 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. We're about the business of peace. The gospel is a gospel of peace. And peace only comes through reconciliation. And so when you think about, for he is our peace who hath made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That's Ephesians chapter 2. And having made, made, made of himself of two, one new man, soul making what peace Colossians chapter one is another beautiful um, passage that talks about the 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 peace and and the peace of excuse me uh, for God was pleased and in all fullness will and 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 having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself whether they be things in earth or things in heaven again having made peace through the blood of his cross again the gospel is a gospel of peace and so we need to be able to 
do what it says in Jude chapter 1. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Dear friends, although I am very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I feel compelled to write and urge you to earnestly contend for the faith. I need you to be to be able to earnestly contend, but we need to earnestly contend, beloved, without being contentious. Amen. We got to show balance. Again, the first is we got to we got to sow assistance. The second is we're seeking reliance. That's what that second beatitude is about. This is showing balance. We earnestly contend for the faith, but we do it in such a way where we help people to understand that the gospel is a gospel of peace and they need to be reconciled to God. That's what Second Corinthians five says. This is God has made us ambassadors that we might be able to give this message. Be ye reconciled unto God. I'm watching this. I think it's on Netflix. I'm not sure. Some some Viking Viking something that that I was watching, and it just was so interesting to me that in the name of Christ, folks are going around killing other people. Their spreading of the gospel was this. We're Christians, you're pagans. Either you accept Christ as personal savior or we chop your head off. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't recall any verse in the Bible about, you know, either you accept the Lord or we chop your head off. But this, this, this great, they, nobody can say they weren't earnestly contending for the faith. They're earnestly contending. They're like all about the business. Everybody needs to become a Christian. That's great. But what about the gospel of peace? What about reconciliation? What about free will and appealing and saying our message is clear? Be ye reconciled. They were like, if you don't get down with us as Christians, we're killing you. That's that's what the crusades were about. That's that's not the way that things are supposed to happen. Amen. And that's why that thing went sideways pretty quickly. Amen. But if you're a peacemaker, that's what God is interested in. And if that's the attitude that ought to what be. Last but not least, blessed are those of you who are persecuted because of righteousness. <laughs> you say, ooh, that's a little phrase. You forgot about that phrase. Blessed are they who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We need to be in a place where this beatitude stresses endurance. We got to run a race. We're running that race to win. And we know from scripture, yea, and all that live godly will suffer persecution. Jesus said that the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, surely they will persecute you. You could look at first Peter chapter two and first Peter chapter three and first Peter chapter four. And you can see how you need to carry it when it comes to your salvation experience and and. And where you get your inspiration from when folks are bothering you and dealing with you. When you look at, when you look at Jesus and it says, how is it to your, uh, in verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you. I'm in first Peter chapter two, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate it. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And if that's good enough for your Lord and Savior, if that's good enough for the captain of your salvation, you better believe, baby, it's good enough for you.
And so he suffered for righteousness sake. That scripture says no point to suffer for doing stupid stuff. No point to suffer for doing wrong. Just stop doing wrong and you won't suffer. But there will be a part of your life, beloved. And if you keep on living, you'll you'll discover this as you walk with the Lord. You, we are walking with the Lord, which means that we're walking out of sync with the world. And the world does not love us. We need to be in the world, not of the world. Amen. And so if we're living right, we should be persecuted because our beliefs are not in concert and in sync with the Lord. So we need to stress the endurance that we're in the same company as Christ. We're in the same company as the prophets and the apostles. And we will be rewarded when we stand and we do what we're supposed to do. So sow some assistance with others. Seek some reliance on God. Show some balance in terms of reconciliation and stress endurance. That's what those beatitudes are. Again, those are the principles of the kingdom. So you're accessing the power of the kingdom in order to live the principles of the kingdom. And now we get to what I would say is the good part, again, where we're now declaring the purpose of the kingdom. Declare the purpose of the kingdom. You know what the purpose of the kingdom is, or you should at least know. You should, the purpose of the kingdom is to bring glory to God and help everyone and everything in the world function as they were designed in order to accomplish that goal. Let me say that again. The purpose of the kingdom is to bring glory to God. History is God's glory story. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that really means is they fall, we fall short. Everything falls short for the purpose for which it was designed. We are designed to bring God glory. Sin does not allow us to bring God glory. And so he says, you gotta, we gotta, we gotta be able to get to and everybody to a place where they can actually give glory to God. The scripture says in Romans 8 that creation it's groaning for the for the sons of God to be revealed and things to be made right. You think you've heard a robin sing a song? You haven't. You've heard a robin sing a song in a fractured, sin-fallen environment, but we have not heard the song that that robin wants to sing to the glory of God if there was not a sinful environment in which to sing it. We haven't seen what creation is groaning to do what it was designed to do. God wants you to do what you were designed to do, which is bring him glory. Because Romans 11.36 says what? For from him and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And then Paul threw the mic down. From him. Through him. To him. All things. From him. He's the foundation. Through him. He's the facilitator. To him. He's the focus. All things. That's what we mean when we talk about Glory. So we got to declare that's the purpose of the kingdom. So our message is you got to get in the kingdom and then you need to get in and then you need to get on. That's the message. We're telling you got to tell that to yourself. You're in if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Amen. But it's like you just 
just can't get in. You got to get in and get on. That's the, that's the, the purpose of the kingdom is not just to get in. You got to get in and you got to get on. Why? Because the kingdom of God is coming. So you've got to get ready. You got to show up and you have to do it not just with your lips. I have to do it not with my, just my lips. We have to do it with our life. Amen. That's when it talks about anytime you see in, in, in scripture, when it talks about, you know, being walk in terms of your conversation, conversation is not just talking. Conversation is lifestyle. You'll tell me more about your life if you don't open your mouth than if you do. That's your conversation is your interaction within your circle of influence and, and, and with everybody that you come in contact with. Amen. That's your conversation. It's lips and life because we are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of god once you had not received mercy come on somebody but now you have received mercy dear friends i urge you as aliens and strangers in the world abstain from sinful desires which war against the soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits visits us he says y'all are different y'all are a called out people a chosen generation a royal priesthood now I need you to act like it I need you to think like it I need you to walk like it why what are the stakes we need to show everybody else those that don't know Jesus Christ as personal savior they need to be able to see our good deeds and glorify God. It's about the glory. They're not supposed to see your good deeds and, and, and applaud you. They're supposed to see your good deeds and say, it's all about him. And so we're a called out people really with that one message. That's why he said, Jesus says that you are my witnesses. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's like you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I'm with you always even to the end of the earth that's the great commission he said teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you they can't observe it if they can't see it amen you can't just say here's what God told me to do it helps me to be if I can see amen and so it's like help help that's our job we're supposed to be making disciples that's why discipleship is a sleeves rolled up dirty job discipleship is not something you do far away people have to have the ability to inspect your life and your lives have to handle inspection for something or someone to have integrity it must or they must upon closer inspection actually be what it appears to be or declares to be that's what integrity really means. You have to have upon further inspection, it has to actually be 
what it appears to be from a distance or declares to be with the mouth. Amen. I got to be able to inspect and see that what you say you are, you are. That's what discipleship is about, being able to inspect. That's why you have to have a pure heart because it's about transparency and authenticity. Amen. We got to be what we're, we're talking about. We got to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Be witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the purpose of the kingdom. Hmm. And then this, woo, manifest the presence of the kingdom. Access the power, live the principles, declare the purpose, and manifest the presence of the kingdom. You have a guide. I have a guide of how we manifest the presence of the kingdom by our Lord and Savior in that same sermon. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 is all known as the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes are in chapter 5. Jesus gives us a guide on how to pray in chapter 6. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. It's that second thing, that second part of prayer that I want to focus on. You always, do you notice how you always start with praise when you approach God? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is worthy of praise. You got to start there. Don't just hop in begging. Hop in talking about what you want to do. It's like you got to pause and recognize who you're talking to. Our Father. Hallowed be thy name. And then it's like, you know, that first part is praise. But here's the second part. Jesus is telling us when Jesus prays to his father is John chapter 17. That's that high priestly prayer. This Matthew chapter six is teaching us how to pray. That's why he says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he says this. This is the purpose. This is the the part of prayer that's purpose that we should be that we should be uh, dealing with because this will help us to manifest the presence of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. We should always be focused on the fact that we understand that the kingdom of heaven has been inaugurated, but it has not been consummated. Jesus came the first time as the Lamb of God. He will come back as the Lion of Judah. He came back to save the world. He'll come back the next time to judge the world. Amen? And and so 
we have to keep in mind that we want to see that happen. Directionally, we're looking for Jesus to come back. That's what everything is about for us. We, we, we say in, 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 or said in Revelations 22 and 20, he says, he who testifies to this thing says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. And what's the response? Come, Lord Jesus. You should never be in a place where, 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 where you're praying. You say, Lord, I just don't need, just don't come today. Don't come till next week. I got some stuff I got to get done. What? If he says he's coming at 3 o'clock, let's just get ready for 3 o'clock. But the NCAA game, my my Michigan's playing. No, no, it doesn't matter. We want him to come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, 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 come. Thy kingdom come. We want to see it because we understand that that helps us to deal with the what? The consummation of the kingdom. The consummation of the kingdom is, is important to, for us. We look to it. We are to be, uh, a, we're supposed to aspire to it and we're supposed to be inspired by it. We're supposed to live our life because Romans 15 says, Today, nearer, our salvation is nearer today than when we first believed. It's always nearer because the day that he comes is going to be sooner than we think. Amen. And it is, and it is progressed in time from when we first knew him till now. It's nearer than when we first believed. Amen. So we have to be inspired by that. We have to aspire to that and we have to look to it. Amen. Thy kingdom come. I already told you that in Romans 8 that creation's is is already suffering it says for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of god to be revealed for the creature is subject to frustration and the creature itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the and, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of god we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth uh up to the present time not only so but we ourselves have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. The reason that, that as we get older, it becomes frustrating to us. And I can think of older saints that said that they start to look forward to getting that new body as you get older and your knee hurts and your ankle hurts and your wrist hurts and then your shoulder didn't quite heal and then you got a backache and those kind of things. You start looking forward to that new body. And if you haven't experienced that yet, just keep living. Sister McNutt, before she got out of here in her 80s, I swear every conversation I had with her, she was saying, I'm, I need a new body. Looking forward to that new body. Amen. That's because the creation, we're groaning. To, to be adopted and, 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 but, but the, all of creation is, we, we're, we, we've got this, this shattered existence because of sin, this frail and fallen existence, and we're not operating to the full glory of God because we, we're still dealing and wrestling with sin. But, but this is the hope that we have been saved to and we wait for it patiently again. So thy kingdom come. Don't forget that as part of manifesting the presence of the kingdom, you and I should be praying thy kingdom come. But then, don't forget this, that will be done. 
thy will be done is not just, okay, there's a continuation of the kingdom. Thy will be done is, is for us, excuse me, the consummation of the kingdom. Thy will be done is about the continuation of the kingdom. Amen. We know it's been inaugurated. And just because we're waiting for God to come back doesn't mean we don't need to get busy. Get in and get on. That's what it was about in Luke chapter 19. Occupy till I come. Let's get busy. There's work to do. In in Psalms 40 and 8, it says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I want to do what you've asked to be done. Whatever truth you reveal, I want to get in on it. Whatever you're talking about, I want to be able to do it. I I want to keep the goal in mind. We anticipate and we work. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. Listen, we're supposed to have a Bill Withers type of attitude. Use me till you use me up. That's straight from the prophet Bill Withers. Use me till you use me up. That's what we're supposed to tell God. That's what we're supposed to be saying to God. Use me. Use me. We submit to however you want to use me. I submit to whenever you want to use me. I I submit and we will not be displeased with what he reveals for us to do. We're not going to have that Jonah spirit where you reveal and tell me I need to do something and I tell you I don't want to go to Nineveh so I'm going the other way. That's not what God is looking for. You got to get in. You got to get on. You and I need to do our jobs. We see that there's a continuation of the kingdom. If you and me, me say, if thy will be done, that's what we're saying. Use me, Lord, till you use me up. If it, if it feels this get good getting used, and I'm going to keep on using me till you use me up. That's what continuation of the kingdom means. That's what thy will be done means. We keep the goal in mind, we anticipate and we work, and we literally say, use us. However, use me, Lord, to show someone the way. Enable me to say, my storage is empty, and I am available to you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. That's not just consummation of the kingdom. That's not continuation of the kingdom. Now you're talking about the constitution of the kingdom. Constitution meaning what is it made of? What does it look like? We're saying, Lord, we want you to make it look like it already looks in heaven. We want to bring heaven to earth. We know that you reign full and free and, 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 and fresh. It's open. Things happen immediately. When you, when you move, things happen immediately. There's no impediment. There's no sin. There's, everybody's on the same page. They move when you say to move. Amen. That's the prophet ludicrous now. When I move, you move. Just like that. That's, that's what happens in heaven. God, God, you know, again, heaven rules. Amen. And again, because of God's limitation for us in terms of free will, the things that are in his providential will, he allows us to experience things because we're hard headed and want to do our own thing. But we're saying, no, we don't want to see that anymore. We want to move self out of the way, not just for us, but for everybody. We want to see how it flows. 
when you come back, before you come back, we're trying to bring a little bit of heaven to earth now. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth like it's going on right now in heaven. That's what we want to see. But there's only two ways that happens. By yielding and by sharing. Yielding has everything to do with you and with me. Romans 6 would say in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body that's, that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You are saying, I want to yield. I want to submit. If, if, if the kingdom is going to be like it is in heaven or on earth, that means that you got to be the person that you need to be. And you say the only way that happens is by yielding. And the second way that it happens, beloved, is by sharing the gospel. Not telling people that if you don't become a Christian, I'm going to chop your head off. That's not sharing. That's not being a peacemaker. That's not about reconciliation. But you have the gospel message. I have the gospel message. And if we want to see the world start to look like it should look and will look when he rules on earth, We got to let other people know that this is about, we need to be about the business of telling them, you've got to get in the kingdom. You got to. There's got to be an urgency. You got to get in. And baby, when you get in, you got to get on. We do it by yielding and by sharing. I already told you, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new Creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us through himself, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and has committed unto us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. We implore you on Christ's behalf. As if God was making his appeal directly to you from us. Be reconciled to God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The more people we can get to have the view and understand that they need to access the power of the kingdom and live the principles of the kingdom and declare the purpose of the kingdom, the more we will see a manifestation of the presence of the kingdom. Because we'll understand it's about the consummation. It's also about the continuation. But it's also about the constitution. We have a message. What on earth are we here for? We are here to bring the message that people need to be reconciled to God. He has a plan. He has purposes. He's given us power. He's given us principles. Hallelujah. And he's saying, I need you all to get in and get on because the kingdom of heaven is coming. Get ready.